Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. As the weather finally starts to warm up, it has been a long, cold, winter turn semi-spring. Um, my mind is finally able to wander to evenings spent on the deck with meat on the grill, that pheasant or quail or venison or a great big ribeye. You all know what I'm talking about. Cold beer in hand, flavorful aromas wafting through the air. And I think about, uh, I, you know, my entire life I've been a Weber grill guy. But, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, I've been lusting after a camp chef or a Traeger to test my hand at uh, smoking meats. But I've just never reached a level of confidence to splurge on buying a smoker or pellet grill. Um, so we're tapping a returning guest, Jonathan Tremblay, a national partner and sponsor of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, representing Walton's Everything But The Meat, to join us again on this episode of On The Wing Podcast to talk me through my fears, <laughs> to, to talk me through how to smoke game birds. Um, Jonathan, thank you very much for uh, returning to On The Wing Podcast. I feel like I should lay down um, and, and you could talk me through my concerns. <laughs> When it comes we'll get to, you through it. We'll get you through get it. <laughs> but, but for folks that didn't, um, you know, last time we had you on, it was um, taking care of game birds from the moment that uh, that bird reaches your hand from your dog's mouth all the way to, uh, you know, uh, vacuum sealing and preventing freezer burn. It was really insightful episode about just keeping the integrity of that meat you worked so hard to train your dog and walk and shoot and um, just making sure that that meat, when it does hit the table, is in its best possible condition. So folks can go back and listen to that. But um, for folks that didn't miss or that did miss that particular episode, give give them a short intro of, of who you are and who Walton's is. Yep. So uh, Walton's were a meat processing equipment and supply company. Uh, we sell to small to medium-sized processors and to the home user. Uh, we're still about probably 75, 70 to 75% to the processor, uh, but our retail market continues to expand. Uh, a couple of years ago, my boss came to me and was like, hey, how would you like to make some YouTube videos? And here we are five-ish years later. We've done hundreds of videos, thousands of articles. Uh, we created a website called Meat Gistics. So it's like the logistics of meat. Um, and it's got a thriving community of like 18,000 registered users who are on it all the time. They use it as a form of social media uh, almost. But yeah, so I'm, I'm the media manager here. Um, I'm lucky enough they send me to places like Iowa State University for short courses on all sorts of interesting stuff. Um, so sometimes my biggest struggle is getting what's in my brain out in a way that makes sense. <laughs> like somebody will ask me something, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the answer to that. But there are like five levels deeper than that. So trying to not 
drive people nuts with too much information is is what I'm trying to do for the most part. Well, well, we're gonna pull out that information okay. for this episode. And you're you're in Kansas, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. So when you said cold, we've had six straight days of like torrential rain. Hmm. Um, and last Friday there was a tornado that ripped through uh, the east end of Wichita. And couldn't quite see it from my house, uh, but my boss, Austin, could see it from his house. And he said he just watched it for like four miles and Oof. not a good thing. So No, terrifying. Yeah, the, the, the um, scene of that has been obviously all over the, the media. It just looks t- terrible. If you saw the, the drone footage mm. of that, that was the most amazing tornado footage I've ever seen. And when we initially, I saw, you know, people were sending pictures my first thought was, ooh, that's a small, almost cute tornado. Like it looked small. And then it just kept picking up and picking up. And all of a sudden you're looking at pictures of it and you see like a brown cloud around it. And that's all just debris, like ripping off people's roofs and stuff. But luckily, um, initially at least there was no deaths. Um, Tragically, some kids from Oklahoma University were storm chasing. Um, They didn't get hit by the tornado, but they they got in an accident that's those mm. down here the uh storm chaser guys they're like rock stars here people mm. know who they are pay attention to them because it's real important down here but anyways sorry mm. that's completely off the topic um, <laughs> all right let's get you through your therapy so <laughs> first thing is first uh mm. you said you've always been a weber guy right yep yep okay. i've always owned generations and generations of weber grills Okay. Are we talking Weber as far as like the summit where it's charcoal and wood, or are we talking propane? Charcoal. Okay. Charcoal. The, the, the kind of the bowl version. Yep. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. You can smoke on that. Um, you just want to do offset smoking. Okay. Uh, one of the nice things about bird, when we talk about like smoking meats, a lot of the times people go right to like ribs, brisket, things mm-hmm. like that. And with those, we really need an extended cook time. And the reason we need that is because those meats have a lot of connective tissue and collagen inside the meat. And to make that tender enough where it's enjoyable to eat, we need to melt almost all of that. So how Mm -hmm. we do that is keeping it at a low temperature, somewhere in like the 200, 225 degrees for long periods of time. Now, when we're talking about any bird really, we're not so much having to to deal with that. So what we want to do is make sure that we're getting that bird up to 160, but Mm -hmm. adding enough of a smoke flavor where it still tastes like a piece of, you know, smoked meat. Mm -hmm. Um, What I would generally recommend people do um, is start off for 20 to 30 minutes. If you have the ability add Mm -hmm. heat, do not add smoke. For that first 20 or so minutes, we're going to try and dry or condition the outside of that bird, whether skin on or skin off, Mm -hmm. um, to start accepting smoke. Then we're going to add smoke and we're going to cook it at a little bit hot. Personally, I like cooking at a little bit higher temperature than I would for like ribs or uh, brisket, anything like that. I'll usually go up to 280, 290 sometimes, depending on how many birds are in there. Another thing people can do is even if you have a Weber or any type of gas grill, mm-hmm. sell these things like Amazon has a bunch of them. It's a company called Amazon. Uh, they're pellet tube smokers. So it's just this 
big thing that you basically shove a bunch of pellets into, light on fire and put in your grill. It generates a really decent amount of smoke. Now, is it going to be good or as good as doing it on charcoal or even a, a pellet grill? No, it's not. Hmm. But it's hmm. way better than adding nothing at all. Right. And cheaper if you don't have any other alternative, too. Absolutely. So when I'm thinking about like a Weber grill, you know, normally you put enough charcoal in. And thankfully, I do have the one with the built-in thermometer. Yep. And it'll, you know, get up there like 400 and so you don't want to, I'm assuming, you don't want to put the bird in until the temperature starts coming down. Correct. Yeah. And then uh, do you add charcoal to keep it warm or, or trying to maintain? Like, how do you keep it at the heat you want? That's the, that's the entire thing, right? Is how do yeah. we keep that? With uh, what I have, I have a Camp Chef Woodwind, which is uh -huh. a pellet smoker. So I just push a button. And it does all that yeah. for me. Uh, right. When we're talking about charcoal and hardwood, you've got to play with your dampers. You have to know your smoker really, really well. Mm -hmm. Not only your smoker, but you need to know what's the airflow on where it is. Mm -hmm. uh, is it on your deck? Is that higher up? Does that bring more air in? If it mm -hmm. does, we're going to have to close those down a little bit more or you're going to burn through wood quicker and it's mm -hmm. going to be significantly hotter. So your dampers are really how you're going to control the temperature inside a charcoal or a, a bunch of different types of sure. smokers. <clears throat> the advantage to those is as much as I love my pellet grill, I can probably get 85 to 90% of the same smoked flavor as you can on charcoal and wood, but you do not get a hundred. Huh. Um, I've seen people argue that it's the exact same thing. And maybe for some people it is. I don't have what I would consider to be a, a very advanced palate. Like I, you know, I'm not pulling out notes of whatever <laughs> when I'm trying wine, but right. I can tell the difference between something that was cooked over charcoal and wood and something mm -hmm. that was done on my pellet grill. Hmm. So, and you, you talked about offset. So I'm assuming you put the, the charcoal, the wood off to a corner of the, the Weber, and then you have the bird on the opposite. Are you putting a, a tin pan or something underneath to prevent flare-ups or by having it offset um, yeah. it, it's going to be okay yeah usually what you're going to do <clears throat> is have a divider down mm. underneath with all the charcoal and wood so you'll put the bird over on the side that doesn't have anything burning or burning underneath it okay That's all right so let's let's back up and talk about preparation and okay. then as if as if I'm the anomaly with the Weber, let's talk about preparation for somebody that does have a Traeger, a Camp Chef, something that's made for for smoking. Yep. So, all right. So we got our pheasant. We got our quail. We got a thawed. You mentioned skin on, skin off. And it, it, it sounded like it doesn't really matter um, if you get, if your bird is has that skin or not. So... The advantage, it depends on whether you want to eat the skin or not. A lot of people like that skin. Well, to get mm -hmm. a nice, crispy, edible skin, you have to cook at higher temperatures. Mm -hmm. Generally, higher temperatures than we're going to be want to be or going to want to smoke at. So, leaving the skin on is going to help us get a little bit 
more moisture or keep a little bit moisture on the outside of our meat. Um, but we're going to have to lose that skin. It is mm-hmm. not going to be edible when we've after we've smoked it. Some okay. people will put like a lard or spray uh, some duck fat on it throughout, and that can help a little bit. But in my mind, it's still when you're smoking it, just I would leave the skin on if you want, but just plan on tossing it. Okay, well, and that's okay because ninety percent of bird hunters probably um, are not plucking yep. their birds, right? So that if you take the skin off and they got a whole bird, they're in good shape to, to consider smoking as an option for, for an approach to how to prepare a pheasant or a quail. Um, I know dramatic size difference when you're talking pheasant, grouse, quail, and, and then you throw in, so there's a different type of meat too. Like a, a quail is a really delicate white meat pheasant more of pinkish white you know and then you go to like a sharp tail really deep red meat does so i'm assuming it is like the longest winded food question of all time uh, so two questions there i'm assuming the size of the bird has a significant impact on how long we're gonna cook it Absolutely. and then i'm i'm also wondering about the color of the meat does that dictate anything in our approach um, as we prepare it? Well, color of the meat is going to obviously play into what the initial flavor of the meat is, where we to cook it with nothing on it. Uh, think easiest way to reconcile this is think chicken breast to chicken thighs. If you cook mm-hmm. those two and put nothing on it, the chicken thigh has a significantly different flavor than the breast. So the same thing goes somewhat with uh, different species of bird and their uh, color of the sure. meat. Um, color of the meat is really, it's, it's, I mean, it's myoglobin, the amount of myoglobin in it. Um, so higher myoglobin, uh, more iron in it. That's going to make it a more athletic, uh, capable bird. Uh, for example, the amount of myoglobin in an animal is directly proportionate to like how long it can hold its breath, how long it can do uh, extended hmm. cardio for. So you think right. about something like a snow goose, mm-hmm. very dark because they are right. going for really long distances. A lot of the time you think about a chicken, well, they hardly ever use, you know, any long distance thing. So it's a very, very white, um, in general, I think by itself, the darker meats, and I, I know I'll get some pushback on this, but I think they're going to have a uh, more robust flavor by mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, also can be a little bit gamier, doesn't have to be, but can be a little bit gamier. Um, for anyone who doesn't like something like uh, Canadian ge- or snow geese, anything like that, uh, I would recommend let it sit in salt water for mm-hmm. like 12 hours then pull it out. It is like a whole new bird. Uh, Hmm. Snow goose has become my absolute favorite thing to make sausage out of. Okay. Uh, You do snow goose with 25% pork fat and it's this beautiful mix of like creaminess from the pork fat, uh, a a nice bold taste and nice bite from uh, the goose. It's excellent. But if you try to do that without letting it sit for at least a couple hours in a salt bath, you're going to get a lot more of that goose flavor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. So, all right. So you're approaching 
these birds, um, it, it, so letting a salt bath, essentially that's brining. Essentially. Right? So let's talk about brining pheasants or quail. Um, and again, that plays to, I'm assuming it's plays to the size of the birds and how long you're going to smoke it, but it also plays to the flavor. So let's talk about flavor first. Like what, when you approach, I, part of it is the brine is to put flavor in, but also part of it is to add moisture to protect it when you get it on the heat, right? Absolutely. So when we talk about brines, brine, pickle, people kind of interchange them. Um, one of the things we're definitely going to have in either one of those is salt. Uh, mm -hmm. So salt plays huge factor in all sorts of meat processing, brining, all of that. Uh, it helps start to solubilize um, proteins and that will actually make it a lot easier for your muscle of any bird to pick up the solution that's going into it, no matter what it is. 34 degrees tends to be the best temperature to brine at. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people's fridges run at like 42. Okay. Um, so if they're planning on brining, I know a lot of guys have a refrigerator out in their garage. If you can just set that one to a little bit lower, you'll have much better results. Um, obviously we want seasoning in that brine as well. Um, and another big thing that a lot of people don't consider um, is the uh, pH of your solution. Uh, so pH is one of these interesting things we have to play with. Uh, when we're making like a sausage or something like that, a lower pH is going to give us more shelf life. And it's responsible for, um, I don't, Minnesota, you guys like tang in your summer sausage, right? Tang? Yeah, like, like a, a tangy taste. Oh, I was thinking the astronaut. Oh, no, 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 not, like, that, not, <laughs> that, not that. I don't think anybody would like you that. You got a weird impression of Minnesotans. <laughs> but up yeah, in that area, yeah. like Wisconsin, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's also responsible for that. Now, when we're talking about something like a, a whole muscle cut of bird that we're going to smoke, we mm -hmm. want to increase the pH of that. So what okay. increasing the pH does is it makes the – there's – more negatively charged or negatively available ions for the water to actually bind with. So it's mm. going to stay in that meat around 135 is when uh, proteins are re and muscles are really going to want to start pushing the water content out uh, by upping the pH. We can fight that a little bit. Uh, the downside to that, and it is can be depending on what you're looking for a pretty big downside is it drastically shortens the shelf life of your product okay. so if you've messed with the ph um up if you've altered it up you have to be aware that you're going to have less time to eat that bird huh. uh, the easiest way to do that is with something called cold phosphate or sodium phosphate um if you, any of the excalibur uh, dry marinades that we sell. Mm -hmm. I think every one of them will have some form of phosphate as a uh, as an ingredient. Now, there is also very much a point of diminishing returns with phosphates. Uh, if you use them at a higher than recommended level, it'll give a like a soapy taste to it. Mm. Um, I've done it a few times intentionally because uh, we have like raw phosphate and I've, well raw cold phosphate and i've added that and it seems to be at three to four times the level of recommended use is when you really start to be like oh that tastes a little bit like soap 
uh, mm. which obviously we don't want. But I mean, if you just stick to the recommended usage on the label, you'll never run into it. Yeah, you obviously you really know your science around this stuff. And you talked about going to Iowa State. Is that sort of the place to go to learn about like the science behind food? It is. Uh, well, um, there are a couple other really good ones as well. Huh. Um, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, but the the guy running Iowa State, Terry Hauser, um, is just a, a unbelievable resource. Um, the Wisconsin uh, head of that is a guy, Jeff Sindelar. He's also amazing. Listening to him is like you, you can't download all the information from him because it's too mm. fast. It's just too like esoteric. Um, but yeah, those are those are the two places I would say um, are Interesting. Kind of the cornerstones of what's going on. All right. So let's take it down a notch for me, back, back okay. down it. So I'm thinking about this brine. I also, you know, I've seen recipes where it's, you know, some people are bathing it in, you know, Jack Daniels, um, you know, which sounds wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. But and then I've also seen like injectors. Yep. Um, tell me about like, but, but I, and then also in brining, it's like a lot of times like, okay, here's you, you brine for 12 hours in this bath of salt and, you know, bay leaves and rosemary and all, and then, and then wash it all off. And I think about doing that with Jack Daniels and like, well, that's a hell of a waste. Yeah. You, know? so, you can't drink so, that. No. Yeah. So, but so if you're going to, uh, the, kind of a disjointed question, but if you're going to brine with bourbon, do you still have to, are you rinsing it off or is it really soaking in and imparting that much flavor into the bird? Or do you do that at a different stage and it's not really a brine? Um, so because of what you said right there, it being a huge waste, uh, I would only inject that into a bird. I would not brine it. Okay. Uh, generally, when we're talking about uh, an injection, uh, that's what Excalibur's dry marinades are. We Ooh. sell them dry, then you mix it up at home and inject your bird with it. Uh, what we normally recommend people do is you want to pump to either 10 or 20% of the product's green weight. So that's what it weighs before you touch it, before you add anything to it. So if it weighs a pound, you want it to weigh either 1.1 or 1.2 pounds after you're done injecting. And all of those are written, you know, each one is different. So they'll write it on the uh, package telling you to pump to either 10 or 20%. Uh, what we still recommend people do is whatever solution they created to inject, mm -hmm break that down by 50%. And usually the easiest way to do this is say I make, <clears throat> just for example, say I make a gallon of solution to inject a bunch of birds with. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I pump all my birds and then I have half a gallon left. I can then take another half gallon of water. So the same amount of water or same amount of solution in water, add it back to that solution and then take those birds and let them soak in that for 12 hours, something okay. like that. What that does is it allows what we injected into the bird or to mm -hmm. any protein really to equalize throughout the meat. So you're not okay. going to get these like places where your seasoning really got trapped either right. in between two muscle groups or just like one area of a muscle group gets 
way more seasoning than another. So it just evens it out and it takes about 12 hours. Uh, you don't want to do it in pure water because that water will leach that solution out. Uh, but if it's 50% of the same thing that's in it, it really doesn't draw much, if any, out. Okay. And so you do the injection and then you do the brine? That's what we would recommend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I had this impression where you brine and then you inject afterwards, but that makes sense to do it before. So it does create more consistency across the entire, like you said, all the muscle groups. So you have a consistent flavor. All right. So any, any place you would recommend somebody get a, um, like recipes for the brining component? Is that something that sure. is on the, the Walton site? Yep. Yep. Um, so if almost every recipe or almost every marinade at this point, will have a link to us using that in a meatgistics video. Um, right. You can also just go to meatgistics and search by, uh, you know, the recipe name or the seasoning name and it should come up. Um, we are getting kind of into the point now where we have so many, articles uh that it is a little bit difficult to navigate sometimes that's why it sometimes is easier just to go to walton's find the seasoning you want and then look for uh, a recipe on that page of us using it any one you'd highlight for upland game birds so are we talking about um injecting or just in general um uh, i was thinking in general so in general um pheasants forever will be releasing in a month or two I think probably the best thing that maybe the best thing we've ever done flat out here. Uh, we made pheasant Rangoon huh. and it was beyond amazing. I mean, we had people begging me to make just like trays of it. Like that normally doesn't happen here. When I make something, three fourths of the people will love it. And then a quarter of people will either say that was too hot or that didn't have enough flavor. And it's just the opposite of those people, you know, Sometimes the people who love heat want it as hot and spicy as possible. The other people just want everything bland. And so when they make something without heat, they love that. But this was uh, a hit all around. Uh, another one is we now have a, a marinade and a breading um, called chicken on the run. And if you want to make fried chicken or fried pheasant, like fried chicken, I made fried pheasant and brought it around and half the people were sure it was like KFC. It is really, really good. Okay, so these are uh, pheasant, like just general seasoning, not necessarily for the smoking process. Correct, correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. If, so, if we're, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. So if we're talking about specifically um, for smoking, there's a, a Hatch Citrus Marinade uh, from Excalibur that I've pumped it with that. It's a little bit different of a one. Uh, you have to, if you want to pump it, you have to mix it up, strain out the parts that are going to be too big for your injector, mm. pump it with that, and then put what you strained out back in the cover and let it sit there. But trust me, it is well worth it. It's got a little bit of heat. Um, I'm not terribly heat sensitive. Um, it's gotten me into trouble with recommendations in the past. Mm. Um, but for the most part, that is going to be uh, really good for anybody who likes a little bit of heat. Okay. If somebody wants to smoke something and are looking for something different than a classic pheasant taste, uh, we have a seasoning called Soluble Paws Black Bull, and it was designed for beef. 
and it's got a really strong umami flavor to it. But what I found is that it will impart that umami flavor in basically anything you put it in. So I've done a lot of pheasant and chicken with that soluble pause black bowl. And then before I smoke it, I usually will rub it with something like firecracker rub uh, from Excalibur is a big one. Uh, sweet chipotle lime is another one that works really well with that and any type of poultry, really. So I consider myself something of a foodie, but umami is not something I'm familiar with. Oh, okay. Um, so umami is the most recently discovered, seems like a weird term to use here, but like discovered uh, taste, like bitter, sweet, sour, uh-huh. um, salty. And now there's umami. Uh, mm. It's the it's like the beef flavor. Uh, a lot of people love certain types of mushrooms because yep. they have a re- really strong umami flavor to them. And it's one of the only vegetables Actually, it's not even technically a vegetable, is it? It's one of the only non-meat products that has that flavor. Um, hmm. Personally, I despise mushrooms, but I love the umami. So you can kind of cheat. Like with turkey, this past uh-huh. year, I did four or five turkeys. I did two of them with that soluble pause black bowl. Uh-huh. And those were my favorite by far because it hmm. gives it somewhat of a beefy flavor i mean it doesn't taste like beef obviously but it's close huh interesting have to try umami it's good uh, all right let's dive deep into the nitty-gritty okay you, you're you've brined the bird you've been well you've injected the bird you've brined it now you've rinsed it off you're ready for the smoker walk me through the next steps Okay. Um, so for birds, we're going to smoke at a little bit higher of a temperature. Like I said, about 280. Um, when we're smoking, what we're doing is basically it's a controlled oxidation. Uh, it's from the, the burning of the wood. Um, we're intentionally creating something here called phenols. Um, now, phenol is a name probably some people are aware of, and it's a little bit scary because uh, in its pure form, it is mildly toxic. Mm. Um but just keep in mind that phenols also occur in berries, nuts, veggies, seeds, all sorts of normal, you know, non-processed at all foods. So yes, chemically pure, it is toxic, but it has a bunch of health benefits. Uh, they've recently done uh, a big study on the Mediterranean diet, uh, and they found that olive oil, especially um, the extra virgin olive oil, has a really high level of this one specific type of phenol uh, that gives it uh, its characteristic taste and also has incredible anti-inflammatory properties like similar to um, ibuprofen. Hmm. So it's helping uh, with blood pressure. It also helps with uh, uh, nitric oxide uh, conversion in your blood. So just better circulatory system in general, healthier heart, healthier life. So there definitely is some interesting work being done on like the health benefits of phenols. And we get Mm. phenols by smoking meat. Um, I don't, this can be controversial depending on what people, what your listeners are like. Um, But the one thing that I say that often gets uh, a lot of pushback is different flavors of woods don't impart different flavors of smoke. Okay. What they do is they impart different intensities of that smoke. 
So basically it's all split into two, mostly split into two categories. You've got your fruit woods, which are your cherry, apple, and a few others. Then you've got your hard, regular hardwoods, which are like mesquite and hickory. Mm-hmm. Um, in our opinion, mesquite and hickory impart too intense a smoke to be good mixes for things like pheasants, certainly for things like quail, grouse. Um, you can make an argument with goose. Um, the downside to, to using an apple or a cherry is they are stupid expensive now. Mm. The price on them just keeps going up and up and up. I really like pecan, pecan, mm. pecan, however people want to say <laughs> it. Um, it. It's somewhere in between mm. on intensity, more towards the fruit woods. But mm. the price point is also in between and prob- usually more towards mesquite and hickory. Okay. Um, so it, it is a good way to kind of split that difference between paying a fortune for your fuel, which nobody wants to do, um, and, you know, getting a good smoke. And it is interesting because, you know, not being a person that smoked birds or smoked anything, really, the assumption is, well, cherry wood's going to ha- impart that sweet little cherry, right? Like it's intuitive yep. And, yep. and it's probably the power of suggestion too. It's like, oh, I can taste the cherry. Oh, there. it's absolutely that. It's right. absolutely that. Now, they're real quick. Uh, almost all smoke, almost all wood is made up mostly of three materials. There's uh, cellulose, hemicellulose, and lingon. Um, there's other things, but those are the three biggest ones. Uh, pines and other things like that uh, spruces have a really high level of resin so mm-hmm. we don't want to use those at all it'll be a very harsh unpleasant smoke oddly one of my favorite beers of all time had spruce and pine in it there's this beer <laughs> called alba beer it was like a norse beer that i used to be able to get in new york that was phenomenal especially with poultry mm-hmm. but uh yeah don't smoke with anything that has uh, resin in it Right. Um, but the, the cellulose and the hemolose are basically like mock sugars. Uh, so they're going to caramelize. So they're going to be responsible for kind of that sweeter portion of it and hmm. a, a good amount of the smoke. Um, lingon in the end though, is what's really responsible for the smoky flavor in the meat. Um, it, produces a bunch of different compounds when it's converting. Uh, but the most important is this one called guaiacol, guaiacol um, for taste. And then what people probably are not getting confused, but misunderstanding when they're talking about like, oh, the apple has a sweet taste. There's something that's also converted from linganin uh, that's called syringol. And that's really responsible for the, the scent of the smoke. Okay. So they, they can break down differently like that, and they definitely do have different scents. But as far as flavor of the smoke, it's the same. Okay. So we've got, we've picked our, our wood, and it's a fruit-based wood or pecan. Um, and then we got it in the smoker. If you're using a camp chef, um, and I've seen the ones with like the Wi-Fi. You can yep. sort of set it to a certain temperature, bring it to, and then it'll keep it at that, right? Yep, yep. It will continue to add pellets through the auger system, um, or stop adding pellets. Just like uh, you know your Traegers, Green Mountains, they all operate fairly similar. Similarly, um, what 
I would say is if you've got, say, five, six pheasant breasts on there that you've already gone ahead and brined, injected all of that, rubbed with whatever you want to finish it with, uh, I would start at 225 for 20, 30 minutes, something like that, mm -hmm. uh, and then up it to about 275, 280, and just let it go until the internal temperature is uh, 165. So with beef, pork, things like that, uh, again, I'm, I try stop me if I dump, jump in too, too deeply here. Um, the reason we can cook a steak to 125 degrees, which is where I pull it, um, is because all of the bacteria, whether we're talking about poultry or uh, beef, pork, anything like that, lives on the outside of the meat. Okay. But as soon as we grind that up, like we're going to do in a sausage or anything, we've introduced that bacteria to everywhere Everything. in there. Sure. So we, we've got to hit it at 160 degrees for uh, sausage made from beef or pork and 165 made from uh, poultry. That doesn't change for poultry. It's still, whether it's a whole muscle or a uh, sausage, it still has to be cooked to 165 internal degrees. One of the funniest things that I've has happened to me in a long time is we went out to a restaurant and I ordered some chicken and the lady said, how would you like that done? I was like, I, I think I want to change what I'm going to order. <laughs> if you don't know that it has to be cooked to 165, I might just get a salad mm. or something like that. Cause um, salmonella. Yeah. It's, it's not, not like you order medium rare chicken. Right. right? Yes. <laughs> I want it cooked all the way. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is salmonella is sort of a, it, it gets a, it's obviously bad, right? But if you mm -hmm. had 10 cells of salmonella in your system, you wouldn't even notice it. If you mm -hmm. had 10 cells of something like E. coli, you're going to have a bad couple of days in the bathroom. If mm -hmm. you have a hundred cells of salmonella, you may feel not great. If you have a hundred cells of E. coli, you're going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's really not as big a deal as people, you know, you hear about, oh no, salmonella outbreak, all of this stuff was recalled. It's like, yeah, they were probably going to be fine. But, hmm. Hmm. Well, but then, we'll avoid it anyways. Yes. In general, <laughs> it's best just to avoid. So we'll get, we'll get our pheasants and quail up to 165 degrees. Yep. And now the magic question, how long are we leaving it there? Oh no. As soon as it's 165. It's 160, it. So it's already got all the smoke. Yep. So sm smoke once uh, an internal temperature of the meat, internal outside temperature of the meat, uh, or well, not just the surface, but slightly inside. Once it reaches 150 degrees, it's not going to take any more smoke, no matter really okay. what you do to it. Now, you can over smoke meat. It's mm -hmm. absolutely possible. Um, it creates creosole. Uh, when it's been on there for a certain amount of time um, and that can give it a bitter taste. Another thing a lot of people do, and I, I personally don't use barbecue sauce much, um, mostly a health thing. It's just almost all barbecue sauces are just like all sugar. Mm -hmm. um, but what people do is they'll either marinate in barbecue sauce before they put it on the grill, mm -hmm. or as soon as they put it on the grill, they'll put barbecue sauce on. The barbecue sauce with that level of sugar if you burn sugar, it's going to taste bitter. Mm. So you want to finish it in barbecue sauce, like last five minutes at most. Gotcha. Don't put it on right away. Okay. So, and obviously the amount of time to get a bird up to 165, 
a quail's not going to take all that long. Right. No. And, no. and you're going to get the same smoke flavor. Um, like, do you go lower temp? I think you mentioned one, what'd you say? One to start off? To start off. No, no, no you I said two, 200. Yep. Two, two to 220 for 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and then bump it up to 270. And quail is going to go real quick. Quail is going to go pretty quick. Um, dove will go really quick. That's why I never, I very, very rarely smoke either one of those. Um, okay. Pheasant's probably big enough and robust enough to stand up to smoking. Mm -hmm. um, pheasant and quail, there are better ways to prepare it in my mind. Mm -hmm. I love the taste of both quail and uh, dove. Uh, it's just such a small amount. Mm -hmm. And I eat a lot. So uh, generally, I find myself cooking way more with pheasant than I do with quail. Okay. Or, and then, so, all right, you get this, this smoked pheasant in this instance. Are you eating it, cutting off the bone, or are you taking this smoked bird and then applying it into other recipes, pastas, sandwiches, sure. or yes, all of the above? So, yeah, the answer to that is yes. Um, there are a ton of different ways to to use a smoked pheasant uh, in general once i've cooked it i'm eating it just as it is in a whole mm -hmm. muscle um, but there are definitely other things that you can add it to uh, salads is a great one surprisingly i don't eat a ton of salads but pheasant is nice in salads strangely uh, one of the things i've been doing a lot recently uh, we have a seasoning called butter um, oh god butter garlic rub uh, I've been rubbing pheasant with that, and then I've just been cooking it on my smoker. Do a, a good size batch at once, then I will uh, let it cool in the fridge over a day or two. Slice it up into little slices, reheat it in a cast iron pan, take it out, put a tortilla in there, put that and some cheese back on it. A little bit more of that. Uh, what is it? Butter garlic rub, mm -hmm. uh, and eat it as like a wrap. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> as we as we wind up, mention that seasoning and what um, that you said is going to get introduced here shortly. And when's the the pheasant rangoon, right? Pheasant rangoon, yeah. So uh, what we did with that is we went out and bought little wonton wrappers. Mm. Uh, we cooked up pheasant. We cut it up real small. Cooked it just on a stove. We added a couple of different seasonings to it and we used um, a Terrapin Ridge Farms jam just as like just to put right on top of it a little bit. Then we closed the uh, the wonton wrappers mm -hmm. with a little bit of egg wash, deep fried them and they were <laughs> so good. So when, when does that hit the market? Uh, Chris uh, has told me it's soon. It's within soon. the next month or so. That'll be on the Pheasants Forever uh, website. And that one is awesome. 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 And will it be available at Waltons.com as well? Yes. Yep. 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 We will upload it on uh, both Meatistics and then we'll have links to it on anything we use that had even a slight association with that. We'll get a link <laughs> to that because I love it. It's amazing. Uh Awesome. Well, thank you very much to, to, for talking me through my uh, my smoking hesitations. I I might have to go out and buy a uh, Camp Chef smoker this weekend. <laughs>
they're awesome. I, I mean, you know, we sell Camp Chef, but we don't have any affiliation with them. Mm. My, I switched to that woodwind from another brand smoker, and I tell everybody who's looking at buying a pellet smoker, leaps and bounds better than the one I had previously. So. Okay. So, and the to get the Wi-Fi version, you're gonna uh -huh. pay a couple hundred more, um, or yeah. is it worth it? Uh, depends on what you're doing. If you do a lot of things like, uh, that require temperature changes like ribs, um, mm. then I would say yes, because mm. you can do it without a, without even being there or yeah. B just from inside. Um, if you're just going to do like steaks and stuff on it a lot, um, then maybe not, uh, the real advantage, one of the real advantages to the woodwind is you can replace the side shelf with something called a sear box which is propane powdered or powered. Mm. So I do a ton of reverse seared steaks. So I put it in the main box. I set that to 210 degrees. I'd let it get up to about, depending on how thick the steak is, I let it get to about 105, 110 degrees, take it off there, get that sear box screaming hot and just do like, you know, a minute, turn it, flip it, and a minute on all four of those. And it's perfect. Like it's got a nice mired reaction, nice crust on the outside, and then it's perfectly evenly pink throughout. Mm. I eat obscene amount of steaks now. I'm going to go grill. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much for spending the time with me again today, Jonathan. Absolutely. It was a blast. Thanks a lot. Uh, outstanding. All right. For Jonathan Tremblay at Walton's, and you can check out all of Walton's seasoning, injections, all the equipment you need. Uh, even that Camp Chef Smoker, go to Waltons.com, national sponsor of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and our, our good partner in conservation. For Jonathan Tremblay, I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you to always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks.